Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast, part two of our Bojan Bogdanovic trade reaction, including how concerned we should be about what this deal means for OG Ananobi, how Bogdanovich's contract lends him to be traded for a future star, and then answering your questions. All that and more coming up right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we are now available on all platforms, typically, typically five days a week. This week, about 20 times a week. Um, and we wanted to remind you to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and be sure to hit that auto download function to ensure you never miss an episode. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, about to be joined by Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website in the whole wide world. You can check his site out on all forms of social media at the strict.land covering your New York Knicks. And we're about to give some final thoughts on the Bojan Bogdanovic. Should I hesitate to say final because we're, we're going to keep talking about this indefinitely. But for the moment, some final rapid reactions on the Bojan Bogdanovic trade right now on Locked On Knicks. And if you missed part one, this is a continuation of our earlier episode. So we pick up on a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, we were talking about a tweet from Ian Begley saying uh, what this might imply in terms of OG Ananobi's health and his prognosis going forward. So with that, We'll actually be back to the pod right now. Yeah, so there was there was a note. Uh, Ian Begley said, told the uncertainty and concern around OG Ananobi injury is factored into the Knicks' deadline approach. Heard Ananobi has been making progress late last week, but he's missed games since then. Uh, the Knicks yesterday changed injury description from elbow inflammation to bone spur irritation. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily, like, what would be concern? You know what I mean? Like, like is that concern like, hey, they made a stronger push to get Bojan as part of this deal now because they knew that they would just need a little more of a presence in the near term to fill in for what they're losing. Like if Ananobi has to miss another like two weeks, all the reporting after the bone spur designation was released was basically just like, Hey, uh, you know, now we just know what it is. And then uh, I apologize. Someone. Did you read the Jeff, like, you hey, Jeff Stotts article on it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, wrote wrote the article where it was basically like, hey, if it's a bone spur, like as long as they can maintain the pain and whatever, he should be fine, you know. And he he can get through the end of the season. Maybe they'll consider surgery in the off season or whatever. But unless it gets like significantly worse, he should just be able to pain manage through the end of the season. Yeah. It can limit his range of motion. I think was the only other thing that's like slightly concerning. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I he's clearly had it leading up to when he was out because we saw his yeah. elbows been like we remarked on that the other day like his elbows been taped up this whole time yeah. so clearly i think this is something he was dealing with in toronto even and maybe they knew about but you know it's just it's like something he just manages when it comes up but either way i'm not too worried about it like i i i think the begley message i don't know read more to me like they wanted to get more depth like they were thinking about maybe just getting one player and now they got two because mm. They're like, oh, we might need a little more depth just to get us through these next few weeks or whatever if Ananobi can't come back right away. Um, yeah. But I guess I guess only time will tell. I'm not I'm not too concerned though until we get something more dire, I think. But is your opinion any different on that? No, I, I tend to agree with you. Maybe like I, I think the phrasing was a, a little bit concerning to me initially, but the, after hearing what you said on it, I think I 
I tend to agree with you. And, and the premise might have just been that Bogdanovich is someone who, to your point, can keep them afloat and just allows them to be very, very conservative in terms of how they manage both his injury and Randall. Because it's worth noting with Bogdanovich that he, I mean, he's six foot seven. He's, he's, he's obviously he's not like we, it's, you know, it's funny. I just got deja vu as we had this discussion when we were talking about how he could replace Evan Fournier. Like he's a small forward, like he's only 226 pounds. So you, you ideally do not want him banging with fours, but on a Knicks team where Josh Hart has played substantial minutes this year at the four, like you can have him fill in there. And I, I think part of the Knicks logic here is like, we, this allows us to be as conservative as possible with Randall, with OG. And as the schedule gets harder, when the Knicks are no longer playing something like a million out of a million and one games at home, um, they'll be able to keep winning, maintain their seed. And and for the Knicks at this point, like top four seed looks hyper-realistic given that Joel Embiid is at the very least going to be out for the foreseeable future um, and, and have that home court first round advantage. And then ideally, ideally get a top three seed. And to me, that'll be really contingent on when OG comes back, when Julius comes back, when Mitch comes back. But um, I, I think this is, this is a stay afloat move in the short term and and elevate your ceiling substantially move in the long term alex i know i know you got to get running soon but do you want to give like any quick final thoughts on alec burks because i know we, we've touched on him a couple of times we haven't really gone in depth on like how he can potentially contribute and then what this rotation might look like when everyone's fully healthy because they're trading one rotation guy for two rotation guys and that rotation guy was only playing about 20 minutes a game yeah so on burks i mean i think we sort of touched on this this morning but Hopefully the plan is just not that he's going to be point guard again off the bench. Uh, hopefully they like keep that. with this. Yeah. Hopefully they keep with the sort of point guard by committee sort of thing that they have going on there. Um, you know, they get a Burks, Deuce McBride, you know, Josh Hart, uh, and then eventually Bogdanovich, you know, like they might have to expand to a 10 man rotation again. I don't know. My, my thing is that I just hope that Tibbs has learned from his mistakes of basically doing the hockey shifts in the past. And, you know, that would be a good way to sort of lessen the load on some of these guys that are clearly dealing with, like, nicks and bruises, you know? Like, maybe you don't have to play OG on an OB 40 minutes a night leading up to the playoffs. You know, like, you could save that for the playoffs, hopefully, when it matters. Uh, you know, hopefully when Julius Randle comes back, you can spell him a little more. And out to a 10-man rotation, give him a little more time to kind of get his bearings under him again. When Mitch comes back, Hartenstein is dealing with his Achilles issue. Uh, so then hopefully you can get them into more of an even split again, you know, like 24, 24 or, you know, 28, 20, something like that, as far as minutes load goes. Um, so anyway, that was, so the, the Burks part of it, I just, I know he's going to give good shooting. I think he's still going to run into a lot of the same issues where he can maybe get to the rim, but not finish there, which is what we saw with the Knicks uh, the last time around, which is part of what kind of ruined the experience with him because he was being expected to like, do what Brunson wound up doing the next year, but Burks is not Brunson and he cannot finish around the rim and does not have that amount of riz like around the rim to be able to do stuff like that. Um, so, you know, just keep him mostly shooting the ball, breaking down the defense, hitting the occasional midi if he has to, that sort of thing. And then rotation wise, they said, I think they probably go to a 10 man. Uh, like, I think they kind of have to, at least before the playoffs, then you trim the fat around the playoffs and just kind of, obviously there you want to ride the hot hand, play whoever's, playing best probably means the deuce loses his spot in all likelihood, because I think starting lineup wise, you're not going to change it from what it was when they were so good in January. Like it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Brunson, DiVincenzo, uh, OG Ananobi, Julius Randall, 
and Isaiah Hardenstein in an ideal world. And then off the bench, you know, I think it'll probably be Burks, Hart, Boyan, and Mitch. And, yeah, you know, and then, then it, it becomes a little Playing with them, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, maybe Randall mixes in with them. But then what do you do with Precious? What do you do with Duke? Guys that have played really well. So, like, Precious especially, I don't know. Maybe they, knowing how Tibbs is, I think he might view Boyan as more of a three than a four. So maybe yeah. he throws Precious still out there sometimes as the backup four behind Randall is more of a traditional backup four. Granted, he had Hart playing as the backup four before. So like, but he also loves any excuse to play Hart at sh- the nominal shooting guard. So I don't know. It, they have a ton of talent on the bench now. I mean, they really have enough talent for an eleven man rotation now if they wanted to. But as we know, they probably won't. So it's that's going to have to be something that just sort of plays out the rest of the year. I think unfortunately it's probably going to be deuce and precious that suffer the most though if everybody gets healthy at a certain point and you'll probably get down to a nine-man rotation that way all right i i think i think it's going to be nine i think it's going to be nine when everyone's healthy and i think that's the only way that the minutes will ultimately work out and we can um unless unless people want to watch me do math on the fly which i don't think would be a pleasant experience um i i we will do a future episode and we'll break down exactly what we think is going it's going to look like but i would imagine like regular season like point guard you're getting all right, I'm, I'm just gonna go for it i think you're getting probably 35 minutes of brunson and then third 12 13 minutes of of burks there uh probably over deuce and 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 maybe depending on like if, if deuce keeps progressing maybe like he overtakes burks and and the beauty of having bogdanovich in this trade is like I don't think you're obligated to play burks to justify the trade we just kind of assume that's the direction tibbs is gonna go and then at the two, it's probably DiVincenzo still getting the vast majority of the minutes there. And like it, what's interesting is like they're just going to be big across the board in a lot of lineups now because instead of Quinn Grimes, you're playing six foot seven Bogdanovich there. Um, so that's a little bit more size, but you're probably playing Bogdanovich. I don't know, like the remaining like 18 minutes at the two. And then you're playing um, OG. I, I don't know. I, I probably shouldn't try to do this on the fly. The point is you're, you're finding a way for Bogdanovich to get to like 25 minutes a game. Alec Burks is probably going to get around 18 minutes a game. Everyone else is probably going to play about the same amount, except for Hartenstein and Mitch will, will split the minutes more evenly. Um, do you, do you have to get rolling, man? Um, I can, I can keep this going. Yeah. Um, talking about Bojan's contract a little bit. Yeah, I do got to get going. Um, but thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back later together uh but i gotta get back to work unfortunately because i do have a day job and they've been gracious enough to give me this amount of time so i'm gonna bounce but uh gavin i will uh i will see you later bud and we'll, all right sounds uh, we'll good see yeah <laughs> later man. <laughs> see you dude we, we don't know how to end uh end videos without having an outro all right guys we will be back in just a sec to continue discussing the Boyan bogdanovich trade including getting to your comments and questions but first I want to tell you about our buddies over at FanDuel and wish a happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. My favorite part about the Super Bowl is everybody can take something away from it that they love. If you're a football diehard, you can really get into the strategic minutia and celebrate a last-second touchdown. If, if you know, if you're more of like a cinematic person, you're, you're going to see some trailers that you absolutely love of upcoming movies and the best 10 commercials of the year. And, and then if you're a foodie, you know, there's that specialty popcorn waiting for you, at least if you're coming to my Super Bowl 
party. But to me, to me, it's all about the bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end your season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many po- points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And then we also wanted to tell you about our buddies over at PrizePix. So you might be asking, what is PrizePix? I'll tell you. PrizePix, easy. America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. We have the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. So some some daily fantasy apps, I won't name names, but they make you compete against those weirdos who went to MIT and Harvard. And yes, weirdos is a is a jealous term coming from me um, that live in their mom's basement or their dad's basement. And uh, just they, they, they spend all their time pouring numbers into spreadsheets. They figured out how to use Excel. And I'm so sorry to say it, but you're just not going to beat those people. They're going to have millions of entries on prize picks. You don't have to be concerned about those people because you just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. And now it's demon time. Check your watch on prize picks. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize pick squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts you can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks so go to prizepicks.com slash locked on and use code locked on nba for first deposit match up to 100 once again that's prizepicks.com slash locked on and use code locked on nba for first deposit match up to 100 bucks prize picks pick more pick less it's that easy I'm going to keep this rolling. Uh, we are going to talk uh, Bojan Bogdanovic's contract. Because to me, this is this is probably one of the more significant aspects of this trade and why the Knicks felt like this was the deal versus someone like DeJounte Murray versus someone like DeMar DeRozan. And that is Bogdanovich is expiring money. He has a partially guaranteed $19 million option for next year. The Knicks uh, will pick that up and use it as outgoing salary in a trade um, for their star of choice, or or not their star of choice, I guess the market star of choice, like whoever's available that the Knicks also want. Uh, Perhaps that is Joel Embiid. Perhaps that is a name we haven't even contemplated yet that becomes available in a year. But in line with uh, with our buddy over at Knicks Film School, Jeremy Cohen's continuous soup theory, this is a fantastic job by the Knicks front office um, taking Quentin Grimes, who who was someone who was going to be up for an extension and probably would be asking for more money than the Knicks wanted to pay, perhaps more money than the Knicks were ultimately able to pay. And instead turning it into someone who helps you now. And, and in fact, makes you quite a bit better now in Bogdanovich, but who's also 34 years old. And, and maybe because of the defensive concerns and the amount of money he can still command down the road does not have the same long-term future as Grimes on this team, but that is just fine because at the end of the day, you were quite possibly trading Grimes in a star trade anyways. Or if you were going to trade Grimes, then all of a sudden Josh Hart becomes a salary in that game, uh, in, in that trade. Or Dante DiVincenzo, God forbid, <laughs> the way he's been playing recently, becomes the salary in that trade. And now you have Bogdanovich as that option. Or if Bogdanovich is great for you and you say, hey, we're getting like a two-way wing or we're getting like an incredible defensive center in Embiid, we can afford to be a little bit worse on defense. Maybe they do consider against Jalen Brunson's wishes uh, trading Josh Hart. Maybe they do consider trading Dante DiVincenzo a year down the road. The point is it just gives you more flexibility because Quinn Grimes wasn't going to be making that kind of money to be a central figure in that kind of deal. And what 
for my money, if you're trading for, again, an Embiid type guy, and he says he only wants to go to New York, and you're having a scenario where it has to be an all-in move, you were going to be asked to part with Quinn Grimes anyways. And it was probably going to be demanded as Quinn Grimes was sort of the one young dude they had left that he was part of that trade. You do slightly weaken your asset pool in terms of making that deal. But I think part of the premise of it is with Bogdanovich, he's either in that trade in a one-for-one trade as money, or you can make it a three-team trade and use him as an asset. And, and likely, like if he plays well for the Knicks, recoup pretty similar value to Quentin Grimes trading him a year down the road. So I, I think the Knicks see this as a way to help now that ultimately will not cost them in the future. We can we can talk, we can debate Quentin Grimes' ceiling and like what the Knicks are, are losing from that perspective. I think the thing to note here is like I'm I'm probably higher on Quentin Grimes than I'd say 85 to 90% of people watching. And and even I'm not walking away saying, all right, the Knicks missed out on a star. Like I kind of thought that earlier in his career, even as recently as offseason, I was I was talking about him as, as someone who could be on a Desmond Bain-esque trajectory. And unfortunately, he he just didn't improve that way this year. Now, will it look dramatically different in Detroit? That's possible. But again, I noted this earlier, but I'm going to note it one more time. I, I think you have to bank on the Knicks' internal evaluation, the fact that they have generally been pretty spot on and and, and their seemingly acknowledgement in this deal that, we that again, Quentin Grimes is going to be a nice NBA player. He's someone who's going to have a 14, 15-year career. He's absolutely a piece you want to have on a team contending for a title. And yet at the same time, like if there's just not much more there than being a good of maybe even a very good, but ultimately not great three-point shooter and a very good, but ultimately because of his size limitations, not a truly elite all-NBA type of defensive player, um, then you're willing to part with him in this kind of deal. Maybe maybe the Knicks come back to to eat those words, like kind of mixed results in terms of R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, where R.J. in particular has shown flashes of stuff offensively in terms of his efficiency, has shown flashes of rebounder that we never really saw in New York quickly as a playmaker has shown flashes of stuff. We've never really seen in New York, but overall, like we haven't seen anything that's like, Oh damn, we got, we got screwed in that trade. And I have a feeling it's going to be similar with Quinn Grimes in Detroit. Of course you wish the best for him. And I look, I, I even, even if it's going to be painful, I, I hope he makes an all-star team at, at some point. I am absolutely rooting for that guy, much like quickly, much like Barrett um, about all the right stuff and, and, and pretty integral to the Knicks returning to competency and and more than that the last couple of years and and in that sense like it i i don't want to it would be melodramatic to call it a cultural rot losing these guys but you you do lose some stuff that makes this team special and it's it, it goes to that that philosophical question is, is it theses i'm, I'm going to say something close to theses theses ship like how many how many parts of a ship do you replace until it's a completely different ship? And I think because of the Villanova guys, because of Tom Thibodeau, the Knicks culture isn't going away anytime soon. OG Ananobi obviously is just a seamless fit into that. I think guys like Hartenstein and Mitch, in terms of their unselfishness and how hard they play defensively, they're seamless fits in that. Deuce McBride is, is sort of the last young guy carrying the torch on that front. Um but you do you do lose something from a cultural perspective, losing someone like Quinn Grimes and losing someone who was so defense first. And again, I, I think he was he was just a real, real asset in a playoff series. And I do think there will be a moment 
there will be a matchup where the Knicks miss having Quentin Grimes. But again, in terms of just being able to play nine above average NBA players with some star power mixed in, the Knicks are probably the only team in the league that can say that. I think the Clippers in their playoff rotation will get pretty darn close to that. The Celtics, after acquiring Xavier Tillman in their playoff rotation, will get pretty darn close to that. But the Knicks, like the Knicks' ninth best player, eighth best player, seventh best player, and sixth best player are just above and beyond what any other team in the league has. And, and this takes their bench from a unit that would go out there and have these four, five, six, seven-minute stretches not scoring a point. And I just, I can't imagine the Knicks are going to go more than five minutes without a field goal this year. Maybe once, maybe in a, in a, in a fluky game, once in a blue moon. But it, it is not going to be the common thing that it's been since the trade. And obviously they don't, they don't get the point guard that I was dreaming of from a shot creation perspective here. But they get someone in Bogdanovich that, as little as two years ago, averaged five assists per game and for his career averages, or, or excuse me, I'm looking at his rebounds. Um, he, he he peaked last year at 2.9 assists per game, this year at three assists per game. The point is like he he's a solid passer, he's a solid ball mover, and he knows how to leverage the gravity that he brings to the table. We actually, we, we didn't even, that, that's, his, that's his per 36 minute stats. He's at 2.8 assists per game. His total this year is, is 2.5 assists per game. Um, I can dive into Bogdanovich's stats, but I want to, I want to take some questions first. I see we've gotten like about a million comments here. So I am going to, I'm going to read through them real quick. Philip Cross says, let's go Bojan. Uh, rugby says great trades. Don't forget Daniel house. I don't think Daniel house is on the next, but if I miss something, I will, I will apologize for that. Philip Cross love the trade. Bojan off the bench will be great. We need to bring back Archer Diacono on a hopeful buyout. Yeah, it'd be cool to bring him back. Got to get those three second violations. Rugby, the run, the Knicks about to go on. Uh, to be to be clear, Philip, I, I didn't realize Archer Diakono was in the trade, but I, I might have just missed that. I thought it was Malachi Flynn. Uh, rugby, the run the Knicks are about to go on is crazy. Cody Brown, who did the Knickerbockers trade for? Hopefully Cody knows by now. Von Allen, got to keep Precious in the starting line to keep the defense the main thing. Um, I do not think Precious is going to stay in the starting lineup. I think you're going to see... I think you'll probably see Bogdanovich start at the four ahead of him um, when when um, he passes his physical and everything. And then, of course, I, I think Bond knows this, but Julius Randle is going to be your starting four when he's healthy. NL says bye-bye Grimes in all caps. I hope that's a sad bye-bye and not like a vindictive bye-bye because I love Quinn Grimes. And I'll easily a top three team in the East now. Um, I, tend to, I tend to agree, pending uh, Joel Embiid's health. Um, NL one big piece away now. Yep, totally. Underwear paint. Heald was also traded. I'm aware that was a good deal for Philly. Makes me think they think Embiid is going to come back. Project Hallway TV. Yo, I really think y'all going to the finals this year. Bogey's legit. I'm happy for y'all. Don't let LeBron come there and destroy what y'all have built. I don't I don't think he's coming. I'm sorry we did that episode. I know people didn't really like it, but I agree. I think Bogey, Bogey is absolutely a legit offensive player. Like I said it earlier, I'll repeat it for people just joining in like flat out one of the best three-point shooters in basketball. Um, last season at age, he's 34 now at age 33. Like he just, he had one of like the best seasons of his career and was like, this is where I was really advocating for the Knicks to go and get in last season. In in Cleaning the Glass has this metric called points per shot attempt that is, is sort of analogous to true shooting or effective field goal percentage. It's just a catch-all stat for how efficient a player is. Last season was he was in the 94th percentile in the NBA. I'm um, 126.6. Uh, well, so the stat is total points scored per 100 shot attempts. So 126.6. So it translates to 1.26 points per shot, which is is just ridiculous. I mean, that's 
that's the equivalent of shooting well over 60%. Um, just, just absurd. This year is a little bit down, down to 120. And I was kind of going through his stats. It was like, all right, where, where is he falling off? Because just, just going place by place on the floor, like there isn't really a big difference. And, and what I found was the, the biggest deal is his, his free throw shooting falling off a little bit this year. Last season, he was at five attempts per game. This season, he's only at 3.7 attempts per game. He also shot 88% from three from free throws last year. This season, shooting right around 80. So he's gone from making four and a half free throws a game to 2.9. So if you're looking for where he's falling off, that's pretty much it. I, I It could partially him be him being getting a little older and in turn being a little bit less explosive. I, I think having Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, OG Ananobi next to him, is going to make all the difference in terms of him. Like if he pump fakes and a guy flies by him, like there is going to be a wide open lane for him to attack and to try to get to the line. Um, so he is, he's just a bonafide experience scorer in, in a way that like, again, whatever, whatever you want to say good about Quinn Grimes. Like I, I, I pulled it up while Alex was talking like Grimes last year, 30% from the field, 24% from three in the playoffs. Like the Knicks, just needed someone off the bench who could go and get buckets. And if they'd gotten Alec Burks, I would have talked myself into it. Like if they'd gotten just Alec Burks, I should say, I would have talked myself into it and said, all right, he's, he's done it before. We've seen him have great playoff games before he's going to do it. But Burks in terms of a guy that you are relying on to be the engine of a bench unit in the playoffs, like that was just going to get you killed. And Bogdanovich is, is instead of being underqualified, he is vastly overqualified for that role. I think he is going to tear up opposing bench units. And I, I think it's going to, again, last year in the regular season, the Knicks third in the NBA in offense. And then maybe, maybe just short of Cleveland, the worst offense in the entire postseason last year. Um, I don't see that happening again. They have legit firepower, especially like Dante, like there's a little less pressure on him, but if, if what Dante has been doing these last five games translates in any real way, when the Knicks are playing the best teams in the league and he goes from the, the second option to the fourth option, um, they they just have a lot a lot of weapons and it, it just has me excited and confident for Nick's playoff run in a way that I've I've never been in the past um and that's that's thrilling all right let's let's go through a few more questions and then wrap this up Craig says bye Grimes um Axis Oreo says Fournier Kim Jennings says here we go this was a legendary trade we didn't give up any first round picks and that's that's exceptional that the Knicks didn't give up any first round picks and I, I think Giving Grimes contractual status, that was also a factor in, in, in trading him over first-round pick. Also, the fact that if, if they had traded a first and Fournier in this trade, Quinn Grimes would have would have been – oh, shoot, I just unplugged my mic. Uh, Quinn Grimes would have been out of the rotation for the rest of this year, right? We, we would not have seen Quinn Grimes play again this year, like unless he's playing over Deuce McBride or playing – or if they had him instead of Alec Burks. Um, that was part of the logic, including him as well. Kim Jennings, we trimmed all the fat and got back to snipers. We do have a lot of snipers. We bring back two players they would trust in the last minutes of the game to take a shot that is big and will show up in the playoffs. I think that's a great point by Kim. I mean, just just end game playoff experience. It was what I was talking about um, in terms of getting someone like Brogdon, but just someone who has been in some battles before because the Knicks just have, they have Ananobi who's won a championship and played a, a fairly small role on that team. Um, or was he injured that postseason? I can't remember. Um, but but he's been he's been in some battles, and they have Jalen Brunson, who's been in and won some battles, and that's really it. Josh Hart, Mitchell Robinson, Randall, to various degrees, got 
playoff runs last year and looked great in the first round and then just did not show up in the second. Like to have a guy who's experienced and like whether it, it's with the Jazz and and you can you can laugh at me saying that all you want because obviously the Jazz underachieved in a lot of those playoff runs, but has has been in series against the Clippers, has been in series against the James Harden Rockets and has been effective. Um, and then an international play has has competed for for FIBA World Championships, has competed for for Olympic medals. Um, he's he's just he's not going to be afraid. Um, Edward Davis, kudos to Knicks brass for getting us someone that can spell Brunson for ten to fifteen minutes and adding some more legit shooting. The New York Knicks are now a legit threat in the East, baby. New York Knicks are top ten team in the association for sure. I think that might even be underselling it. Um, it might be a little bit better than that. Coach Sayer. What were the seconds traded? I'm not sure if that's come out yet. Uh, Muggsy, Nick Steph won this trade. Wilmus Grimes, though, agree. Uh, Edward Davis, this just goes... Oh, I can bring the... Oh, sorry, I should have been doing this the whole time. Um, this just goes to show you the Knicks brass building the team the right way. You need quality depth in this league now to truly compete for the chip. Um, Irving says, dumb move, but did not expand on that. Mark LaGuardia, always great comments, Mark. Sorry, I don't always shout them out. Uh, go get Lowry in the buyout. Knicks can legit challenge for Eastern conference finals. I wonder, I wonder if they're going to do that because if they, if they go and get Kyle Lowry, then there's not a rotation spot for Alec Burks. And I think if that was part of the plan and I got to imagine they, they have a pretty good understanding of, of if, and when Lowry was bought out where he would rank. But um, as, as Fred Katz and Ian Begley and a couple other people have noted, they do have the move to go. They do have room to go get someone in the buyout market. They'll be two and a half million um, under the uh, luxury tax. Um, so they could certainly go and get someone. And I would, I'd personally, I'd rather have Kyle Lowry in that spot than Alec Burks and just have Alec Burks kind of be a breaking case of emergency 10th guy um, or someone to spell like Josh Hart or if there's an injury or something. Um, so yeah, I'm, I am team going to Kyle Lowry. I think, I think that would, that would make a big difference for, for those 14 minutes a game. Uh, Mark LaGuardia is sad for Grimes that he has to go to Detroit. I will actually push back on this. Obviously it is a pretty dire situation <laughs> In Detroit, um, you, you don't set the all-time record for losses in the season if things aren't pretty bad, but it does give him a golden opportunity to work out all the kinks in his game, to figure out his ability to attack the rim, to maybe even even run some point in the minutes that Jaden Ivey isn't on the floor, and to play off of off of like a big creator in Kate Cunningham that will find him easy looks. Um, I, I think it, it could end up being the best thing that happens for his career, especially with free agency coming up. It's just sort of, if he's, if he's ready for that opportunity, if he's up for that opportunity, if he's not, and, and it, it's a little bit too much for him playing that role. Um, he does have the ability, well, I guess he'll be restricted, but potentially has the ability to go and find a deal and, and leave in a year or two. Um, Leon Rose for GM of the year. That's a good note to end on. I am going to say yes, but only time will ultimately tell the Knicks are in a fantastic spot. Um, and I am, I, I'm sure like all of you watching, I am incredibly, incredibly excited um, to see this team play and to see this team compete at full strength. Because as Alex noted, they were already pretty freaking good um, dealing with a bunch of injuries and a bunch of issues of 14 and two month, 16 and three since the OG Ananobi trade, five of those games with their best player, two of their three best players, not on the team. Um, statistically they have the makings of a legit contender and I think they just got substantially better and that is going to scare the rest of the East might even scare some teams at West. If Jalen Brunson is who we think he is, the Knicks are dark horse. And I emphasize dark horse, very much dark horse, like 5% uh, finals contenders. And that is something that um, since 12, 13 uh, we have not been able to say, and only for the second time since I've become a Knicks fan, 
um, I am able to say, and that is pretty freaking cool. Again, we wanted to remind you, we we're going to have so much more on this deal. I'm sure we're going to spend a lot of time in the post game um, after the Mavs one finishes um, post game tonight, I should say, talking about it. We are going to spend a whole lot of time uh, breaking it down with Kuka Heel, our, our buddy over at Locked on Pistons to find out exactly what we're getting in Bogdanovich and what we're getting in Burks. Uh, but until then, um, I'm Gavin Shaw, and we will talk to you very, very soon over on Locked on Knicks.